0: welcome to the 40 athletes podcast for yet another great episode i'm your co-host Jay Silver, along with my good buddy jimmy hubert jimmy what's going on today man
1: well we got a little bit of snow and uh, they're were, they were gonna have a big storm but i guess just a dusting came through my son was like let's make an igloo i'm like we can't make an igloo there's like this much of snow we can daddy so anyway a little cold here but it's all good i
0: love his belief though you know you get too much snow, you can start making a big glue right you know what yeah. i'm saying mm-hmm. so uh Hey, actually, we got a snow day today at my school, so that's pretty exciting. But, you know, up north on the other side of Kansas City, man, it's something about the uh, the north side, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but back to our original episode. Um, so we got a guy here. He was uh, nicknamed Dando Pinata. that He got hit you- so many times as a major league baseball player.
1: He's a magnet to the baseball, right? Magnet,
0: yeah. He played 13 years in the majors. And I uh, guess what he did on his first at bat.
1: Don't I, I know you're not going to tell me he struck out. He he hit a grand slam,
0: close, mm. close, close. He a two run homer. I think it was. He was like only the hundred and eighth player ever to do that. Um, he's actually a Hall of Famer too, not oh. in the major leagues, but he's a Hall of Famer.
1: Wow, that's awesome. At the University he's, of Virginia. Yeah, he's more than Curt Schilling and Barry Bonds right now, right? He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> that's right.
0: Um, and now he's like a certified. Uh, nutritionist mental performance mastery coach so i was really excited because of his dynamics his background um and he's also the founder of fully equipped athlete where they really dive into uh, nutrition and how that connects with your with your physical performance so uh we're gonna bring on brandon guyer to the show today brandon how's it going
2: great thank you guys for having me really appreciate it
1: hey hey, brandon i have to say this so jason's younger than i am okay and I Fairly. said, "There's something I got to talk to Brandon about." He played for the Durham Bulls. I mean, Bull Durham, the movie. Kevin Costner, Crash Davis, and he's like, he hadn't even seen the movie. Brandon, he's having me say, "I was like, what are you talking about? Haven't you oh, seen?" No. I've heard so, of it. I, so, yeah, what was I it? What was it like to play at uh, at the Durham Bulls? And like, did you did you ever see the movie and go and experiencing that? What was that like?
2: yeah and actually there was one game one year we actually went down the road and played at the field that they filmed that movie at, which is really cool and it, it was crazy because the i think it was right field was super short so everyone that day if you're a righty hitter they're trying to go oppo if you're a lefty hitter you're just trying to pull everything um, but yeah just like the history and and obviously watching that movie before um then going to play there's like a special game we wore cool uniforms um, so yeah, but I knew that before playing with Durham Bulls and I always say, you know, any, any minor leaguer I talk to or any college guy, I'm like, man, you get a chance to play at Durham, whether home or on the road. It's like, it's hard to be all the minor league stadiums. There's some great ones, but it's hard to be playing with, for the Durham Bulls, it's just the history. You got the blue monster there. Uh, so it was really cool.
1: Did you wear a garter belt too, or do you not, you know, you know, I, I, no, no, I decided. to have to watch the movie to understand that one. So we'll leave. Yeah, yeah, I Last I said, no, I can't
0: do that. <laughs> so, Brandon, man, you've had a really—I uh, mean, you played in some high-pressure situations. You played in the World Series. You know, been with the Indians, been with the Rays—some really successful organizations. Um, but it all goes back to mental health, and and you kind of—you're a—you uh, know—a mental performance mastery coach, and. A lot of times we forget that piece. We focus a lot on the physical, but not as much on the mental, it seems like. And so my question is like, are mental health and physical health related?
2: First off, I a hundred percent think so. Um, but going back to what you're saying with the mental health and mental performance, a lot of people say baseball and a lot of sports, 90% mental, maybe more mental, but a lot of times baseball players and other athletes are maybe spending 10% on their on their mindset, you know, so you're a game that is so mental, but yet we're barely practicing. We're doing probably 90% physical practice. You know, so that's where, um, you know, and I, I I was guilty until I was, uh, you know, my senior year in high school and and read a book called Heads Up Baseball by Ken Revisa. I was all about the physical side because, you know, it wasn't big back then and that's all you really um, hear about is, oh, and it's more fun to do, work on your swing, work out, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, the mental side is so important. Um, but then when it comes to physical and mental health, I. Th- for sure, they are related. Um, and what, what I think it comes down to is, number one, sleep. Sleep is the number one thing to feel good physically and mentally, uh, whether you're an athlete or not. You know, At least getting eight to 10 hours, prioritizing your sleep, making a good sleep environment, having a good PM routine to you know wind down and get ready for a good night's sleep. You want good mental and physical health. Sleep is the number one thing, I believe. Um, and then you know, physical health. You know, I've seen studies and people talk about, You know a workout is kind of like taking an antidepressant what it does for you mentally so yeah physically you work out you take care of yourself more likely than not you're going to feel better mentally and then when it comes to the mindset you know those who have less stress um, going on in their lives the chances of them having a chronic disease stuff like that a lot lower so i definitely definitely believe that they're they're related so let's go, let's go back to sleep real quick. Why,
0: like, why is sleep so important? Like, what is it, what, what, what is our body doing during sleep that gets us ready, prepared for the next day? And, um, can you dive into that a little bit?
2: Yeah. So as an athlete, really anyone, it's, it's all about recovery and your body, especially in like the deep sleep stages, REM sleep, uh, that's when your body's recovering. That's when your body's producing like natural, a human growth hormone to help your body recover, help you feel great the next day. Um, you know, you'll have more focus, more clarity. Just mentally, you'll feel much better. And when you feel that kind of good, you're going to want to work out and do stuff like that. And you won't have to rely on willpower as much, maybe, to to do the things. Um, so yes, yeah, so sleep really is everything. And that's why, you know, people who maybe feel like they're sleeping good because they you know those who pass out after having a couple beers if you look at your sleep score whether it's with a whoop or any other thing you'll see you're not getting as much deep sleep you're not getting as much REM sleep um so you're not going to be nearly as recovered even though you feel like you're sleeping good and there have been study after study showing if you compare sleep uh, good diet and you know a lot of movement working out for mental health and performance sleep Always comes out number one as the most important out of those three. Um wow. so you know that says enough right there for athlete yeah. or, or non-athlete, really so,
0: so my next question is like, what's a and everybody might be a little bit different, obviously. Like uh, how do you develop your like let's go through yourself? What do you do at night to get yourself prepared for a good night's sleep? Like, what's your process? Do you have a shutdown routine with screens? Like, is, is that all involved? What does that look like?
2: Yeah, the screens is huge. Uh basically a good PM routine where you're, you're getting your body, you're winding down. Maybe you're reflecting on the day. If you journal, whatever you do, uh, I'm not saying you have to do that. That's something that I like to do reflect on the day and okay, what what could I have done better? Okay. Do that. Then try to limit the screen time. Um, if you have trouble falling asleep, maybe you take some, you know, a low dose of melatonin. I'm not telling people to do that, but that can help if you have insomnia and it's hard to fall asleep and no long-term study has really shown that to be, um, you know, have long-term side effects. So, you know, that's something that I do every now and then. Um, but I think the number one thing is just avoid the screens. Um, and if you look at screens, try to wear, uh, like blue blocking, blue light blocking glasses. Uh, there's a lot on the market now that can help too. Um, but you just don't want too much stimulus to your brain because then it's going to be harder to fall asleep if it's harder to fall asleep you're definitely going to get less deep sleep and less REM sleep um so it all correlates and uh, it really comes down to a good pm routine and a good sleep environment you know 60 to 68 degrees I, i was very fortunate to work with a guy named chris winter who was a sleep coach with the cleveland indians and really taught us so much stuff and so um good sleep environment you know keep it pretty cool um and then have you know Shades that maybe block out light you can get paper shades on Amazon for like 20 bucks. You just hang them up blocks out light Um, Maybe a white noise machine um, That's very you know, because little noises during the night could wake you up But that might cover those so you don't hear them. So you stay asleep, Mm -hmm. especially if you're in that deeper REM sleep Um, So little things like that really pay pay off
1: What a Jimmy I
0: gotta admit Jimmy I gotta get some blue light glasses because the screen thing for me yeah. Got to get
1: better at that. Got to admit. Well, it. Even like you said, Brian, if you can't, if somebody can't get blackout shades, you can almost get, you know, well, like a covering that you can go over your eyes at night that, that can yeah. block out the light as well. It's really inexpensive, like a sleep mask. The, the question I have for you is this is two things. One is, okay, so you said preparation before you mm-hmm. go to sleep and off of screen time. Is it 30 minutes before you're getting ready to lay on the pillows and an hour before? What is that time frame? And then my second part of that question is athletes, you know, you look at like high school kids, uh, junior highs, kids playing club sports. Sometimes they have practices that don't get done until 930 and they're getting at home at 10 o'clock at night and they're maybe got a little homework and they're trying to prepare for the, the next day. What could you also maybe suggestions you could give to them that are getting home a little bit later and then got to get up early to go to school to make sure they're maximizing the sleep as well?
2: Yeah, that's a great question because every obviously everyone's different. It's going to be easier for some, you know. You you throw kids in the mix and everything, it changes the ball game. So um, for sure, for them, I think if you can just prioritize your time during the day as well as possible, whether that's a good morning routine, um, good you know during the day, really try to maximize your time. Cause you know, time's the greatest equalizer. We're all given 24 hours, it's how you use that time. So if you use it smarter during the day, maybe you won't have a ton of stuff at nighttime that's gonna affect you going to sleep earlier maybe. So um, that's something, but still even with that, we have the kids might have long practices and a lot of homework. Um, So what I could say is just do the best you can um, try to get that work done and then don't stay up. You know, I I, w- I like to say prioritize feeling good the next day over being entertained for an hour the night before. Um, so if it's a show you want to watch or social media, maybe just cut that out for a half hour and, and start this process at least a half hour to an hour before you go to bed. Um, so that when you get in bed, you can fall asleep. Good. Um, and that can be with meditation, just breath work, whatever it is, um, but just do your best because obviously everyone's situation is much different. Um, and it's, it's all about trial and error, just find find what wor- really works best for you. Um, and that's pretty much it.
1: And that, that's where I've had teams where we, when we're traveling, we'll take their phones away from them at night, like the kids and we'll take them. And they'll be like, what, what are you doing coach? And we'll be like, well, if you have your phone with you, it's gonna be by your bed, you're gonna be getting text probably, Things are gonna ding notifications, and it's gonna wake you up. You don't get that deep sleep. Yeah. And so, is that where, like, even if you have your phone, do you recommend individuals to maybe put it on, uh, you know, like airplane mode, or do something to where turn notifications off, to where they're not getting woken up by their phone if they feel like they mm-hmm. have to have it by them while they sleep? Because they're like Tom Brady talks about, his phone is in another room. It's not by him because that affects the sleep as well. What do you tell them about the phone by their bed while they're sleeping?
2: Yeah, I think that's huge as well. Um, basically, if you have it by you, I, I like to compare this to you had your environment for when I'm talking food with athletes. OK, you have a lot of junk food in your pantry when you get hungry. If it's there, you're going to go eat it. It's just, just how it works. Um, but if you have healthy food, obviously it makes it a lot better, but if it's there, you're gonna do it. Same with your phone. If it's there, you hear something, you're gonna do it. Or you know, you might just have that urge. Oh, I want to check. You know, people want to check uh, email, social media, all this stuff. But if it's not there, you won't have that urge. So, um, but what I would say, I mean, I keep my phone there just in case family stuff. You know, someone needs to call, whatever. Um, so I set it where certain contacts will come through text or um, call wise. But besides that, it just kind of goes right to silent. So I don't hear anything. I, I think it's after 10 o'clock at night and up to like seven in the morning or something like that. Um, so maybe they want to do that where they just have it there, but it's on silent for everybody except certain
1: people, um, that may need to get in touch with them. I do want to dive into something you mentioned and I, and I really want to hit on this. You talk about that. We spend about 90 90% physical training right whether it's uh strength conditioning whether it's nutrition we're eating speed and agility whatever it might be and i think even the youth side is probably 95 to 98 percent on that side and it's probably about two to maybe five percent on the middle side but we hear it all the time like train your mind and the body will follow the body's an instrument of the mind so tell me this what suggestions could you give people kind of on um, because the great athletes have routines the great ones have routines so mm-hmm. what is like mental type mindset routines that you could suggest for athletes that they could use during the day or before a practice or before a game or after game to settle down from a game? What are some routines you you could suggest they could add to help them be consistent in the performance?
2: Yeah, uh, for that. uh, it's So, so important, I think. Starting off slow and just creating an AM and PM routine, because a lot of times those are the times of the days we have the most control over. So, creating a good AM routine to get you going for the day. Uh, you know, personally for me, and, and it can work and it works for a lot of athletes. Maybe you wake up, I like an ice cold shower right when I wake up. Uh, just it, it's like a cup of coffee, just get you going uh, for the day. And then maybe you do some journaling, um, say, you know, maybe write down, okay, this is what I want to get done today. Um, This is what I have my mindset. All my energy is going towards, you know, being successful and winning the day by by completing these tasks. Um, And then maybe you do some breath work or meditation to get you going. And and all this can be done within, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And, you know, maybe if you need to wake up earlier to do it because you have kids or I mean, if you're a young athlete, you have to get to school. um, Then maybe prioritize going to bed a little earlier at night so you can wake up earlier to do these uh, to have a good morning routine. Um, then I always like to tell them to try to get 12 to 16 ounces of room temperature water um, in them and maybe put some Himalayan salt in it for added electrolytes, um, just to get your digestive system going. And when a lot of people, when you're sleeping at night, you might not notice it or feel it, but you're you're, you're sweating, you're losing fluids. Um, so you wanna start that hydration process right when you wake up and room temperature water is because you can digest it quicker. Um, so there's more that can go into the morning routine, but I think a morning routine is great. Um, A pregame routine, like you said, you know, whatever gets you right. If it's a certain meal that you know makes you, and probably talk nutrition and and meals later, but uh, a certain meal that makes you, uh, you know, mentally feel ready for the game and you're used to eating it and it makes you feel good, do that. If certain music you listen to, certain warm up you go through, have a good, routine before a game and that's something when i first got caught up to the big leagues you almost feel like a lot of guys not robots but the way they go about their thing it's the same every single day and that's one thing that was the biggest difference from the minor leagues to the big leagues is everyone has a set routine that they go through just to help them get through you because the season's such a grind so to help you get through it you know literally doing the same thing every single day um, to get you right and obviously you're going to make minor adjustments based on you know, if you're struggling at the plate or pitching, make minor adjustments. But for the most part, your routine's pretty much the same. Um, and then a post game routine. Something I really like is no matter how you played that game, uh, have where you write down a couple things that you did really well, even though you went 0 for four, three strikeouts. Okay, what did you do well? Did you make a great play? Were you a great teammate? Um, whatever is fine, at least a couple things you did really well that game. And then write a couple things down that you feel like you can improve for next time. So that's a good post game routine. Um, and then nighttime routine, we kind of already talked about that before sleep and everything. But routines are everything. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because cannot recommend it enough to start it at an early age, start creating good habits. Find your routine through trial and error It works for you. And it'll set you up for great things.
1: What do you do? Go back to, uh, you sound like Wemhoff with the cold showers, like that, <laughs> that, so walk somebody through how you go. Cause like, okay, I'm going to take a cold shower. I just don't turn it on freezing cold and then jump in it. What do you do to like, you start with warm water and then for so long, or you just do it cold and get in for so many seconds. What do you do on kind of this cold shower?
2: Yeah. I literally just turn the knob very little. But before that, I do like movement stuff. Like I'm moving my head around. I do stretching. Uh, my wife walks in the bathroom. She she just thinks it's the weirdest thing, but it, I don't know. It just gets me going. For, it's all about getting going for the day. Cause you know, you wake up, you're still kind of tired, but I feel like movement gets you going and then the cold shower really. So I do the movement and then get in the shower, really just turn the, noz, the knob a little bit and get right in. Um, and just as cold as possible. It's, it's tough, but it's all it's like a little stressor. They, those little stressors are actually are really good for you. So standing in there two to five minutes, uh, it's tough. And but it, it's like it's like a mental challenge too. Like physically it gets you going, but mentally you get through it, you're like, ah, and you're ready to go for the game or for the day. Um before a game is great too. Um, so that's kind of how I, I go about my wife, it.
1: My wife tells me to stop screaming in the shower when I do that. She's told me I'll to quit you too. Yeah. Do that. Hey, the other thing I want to ask you, and then Jason's going to get in something is, so you talked about breath work. You talked about what, what suggestions can you give to individuals about breath work? What, what type of maybe breathing exercise you do that's been beneficial that you can suggest to other people that they can implement in their own lives.
2: Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. And to show you how important breathing was for me, I don't know if, have you guys heard of Ken revisa He wrote Heads Up Baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that book single-handedly changed my career after reading it. So, long story short, first three years in high school, very average baseball player was going to play football in college. I uh, hit 270 as a junior in high school, set on playing football, and then read Heads Up Baseball after that year, changed everything because I finally worked on like what I like to call the six the six tool, which is the mindset. Because before that, I just relied on my physical skills and, you know. You can only get so far with that. And so then I got that mindset and read that, starting in that book, really focused on my breath and then work. I was so fortunate to, he was the sports psychologist for the Tampa Bay Rays my first two years with the Rays. Um, and unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. Uh, rest in peace, Ken. But uh, what he taught me was breathing, specifically every single pitch. And it was so important. I had a wristband made um, where I had the guy stitch breathe in it. Um, because literally before, you know, during a game, before every pitch, look at it, take a deep breath. If I'm in the outfield, uh, especially in the world series, a lot of nerves, stuff like that, the breath can help you reset, refocus, lower your heart rate. It, it really is an amazing tool that I don't feel like enough athletes use. Um, so very fortunate for Ken to work with him and he taught me that, but yeah, breathing for breath work. Um, something I like to do is just lay down and I think of a, to start out, just think of a box. Um, so inhale for, you know, three, start with three seconds, three second, inhale, hold it for three seconds, exhale for three seconds, hold it for three seconds and just kind of do that box. Maybe just do it five times, do that for a week, once a day. Um, right now I'm up to, they say that's what the Navy SEALs do before they go into battle. They do eight, 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 eight. Um, so I do that and I kind of just change it up. Um, really try to get the exhale every time to be a little longer than the inhale. Um, so that's like before the game and everyday life, but during the game, you really want to focus when you're breathing. And if you do a test and just put one hand on your chest, one hand on your, uh, diaphragm, when you take that deep breath, Your hand on your stomach your diaphragm should move not the chest and a lot of young athletes especially since i've been working with since i retired the hand on their chest moves and that's what a lot of you call shallow breathing Um, so we want to be deep breathers because you're going to get more oxygen into your brain to your muscles that's what's going to help you relax um so during the game after every pitch you know step out if you want to hold up your bat or whatever you do full in full out using your stomach. You can do that on the pitching mound. You can do it. I mean, and a lot of people watching games now more and more people are starting to do it. The power of the breath is a lot of elite athletes realize it. Um, so, uh, that's really how you go about it during the game. You can do it in the outfield. Like I said, in the world series, this, this was amazing. Everything. I would start to get that anxiety, those nerves come in. Um, I would just simply look down touch it it would remind me to take that deep breath because in stressful tough situations a lot of times people forget to breathe and or breathe shallow um and that makes such a, it, it changes everything physiologically um so that's really the
1: have you read the book uh, by james Nestor, breathe yeah have you ever read it? got it right here Oh, I got it, and, man, it changing, I, man. it's an awesome book and it's funny when i <laughs> He was saying when he was telling his uh, friends that were, you know, writers and that I'm going to write a book about breathing, like book about breathing? They're like laughing about it. But the research he did about breathing, how it affects the body. But a question I have for you on it, he talks about, you know, we're taught, we're not, we're taught, you know, you can breathe through the mouth. He says, breathing through the nose, inhale and exhale through the nose, that exhaling through your mouth, because that causes talks about like we, or face to go in and all these types of bone structure mm-hmm. to damage it. Can what's your thoughts on that on breathing and inhale and exhale through the nose or through the mouth? Cause you'll hear uh um oh gosh, uh, I just uh Wim Hof say just breathe. Just breathe. Doesn't matter how you breathe, just breathe. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, like I, I agree with James. I think the most efficient way is in through the nose out through the mouth or nose. I don't think exhale is as important. I think inhale, you want to do through the nose. And actually after reading his book and hearing him on the Joe Rogan podcast, he talked about taping your mouth shut at night and just breathing out of your nose. And I started doing that, although I was freaked out. My wife didn't want me to. She's like, you know, what if you just don't breathe? Cause you know, I have a deviated septum. And so, oh, yeah. you know, so I was just like, I'm going to give it a try. And oh my gosh, my, my deep sleep my REM sleep, my sleep scores, my recovery is so much better now cause I every night I sleep with tape over my mouth. Um, cause before that, I not everyone is a mouth breather, but I would breathe out of my mouth. I wake up all the you know my mouth dry. Um, so yeah, I just sleeping with tape on your mouth, if you do uh, breathe out of your mouth or even if you breathe normal, it it is it can change and make for a really good night's sleep. Um, so I agree with everything he says, man, that book that book can change a lot of people's lives so i hope a lot of people read it
0: hmm. um and so yeah you know you mentioned playing the world series and i i was a big indians fan that that year so i mean i was i was hoping you all would pull it out for multiple reasons but you know you're up there against roldis R- chapman end of games like in the game scenario game seven i think it was game seven and you wrote a double on uh, right center field like you take us through like how did you stay calm? what the breath work that what were you thinking you know staying poised in pressure situations a lot of times people fold but um you were up there like it was just another event what take us through that process
2: yeah for that i appreciate that for that it it really came down to uh the 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 work before the game i feel like uh and more specifically visualization uh visualization is such a powerful tool and when I talk to athletes now about visualization, I, I show them that picture of me hitting that ball off Chapman. Cause I said, guys, that was the biggest at bat of my career. But it felt like in that bat, I was in the backyard with my boys when I was young playing wiffle ball. Because, meaning I was so comfortable because I had visualized that at bat hundreds of times in my head. And so when I got up there, I was in that situation, it literally felt like I'd been there so many times. Um, and so I got down 0-2 or 1-2, forget what it was. Um, and I was like, okay, I've been here, you know, step out take my deep breath then i you know stay short to the ball stay on top of the ball because this ball kind of rises a little bit um you want to be short because it's coming in so 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 hot at you um so those were the cues i had in my head that's what i did every pitch and that's what i did in my head before the game and obviously that doesn't mean you're going to have success but that means you're going to put yourself in the best position to have success and as an athlete i think that's what we should be doing because we can't ever guarantee anything. A lot of times, results obviously are out of our control. But if you put yourself in the best position to succeed, um, that's the name of the game. So visualization help there. Um, breath work in between the or just breathing properly in between the pitches. Um, those two things, and then you know in the outfield, like I said earlier, focusing on breathing, and then having in game routines. Um, something I really liked is like, is a fl- it's called flush it. So I would literally. Ah, uh, for instance, if I'm in the outfield and I make an error because I'm runners on second and uh, ground ball hits me, I'm trying to throw him out. I just come in running out of control. Ball goes under my glove. Okay, first learn from it. What did I do wrong? I, I ran in out of control. Next time, I got to set my feet, go in under control. Okay, I learned what I could from that failure. Flush it. I literally think of a toilet and flush it. It's gone forever. Um, and then I say to myself, okay, what's what's the next? What's important now? What's the next best decision? And I'd like to say, hit the ball to me. You know, a lot of, and when I was younger, I did this too. I'd make an air, have like anxiety going on. I'd be like, oh God, I hope the ball's not hit to me. I hope it's not hit to me. But then, so that flush it you say, hit the ball to me, you cut that attack mentality, hit it to me. Um, so things like that having in game routines that really helps with with everything.
0: Yeah, you know, like in baseball, they always say, you know, you make an air, the ball tends to find you again, right? So it's like oh, more yeah. times than not, especially in your head, you know, how our mind works is like, oh don't hit it to me oh don't hit it to me and what you're saying you're saying hit it to me anyways because you know as you know your mind doesn't know what don't is do and do not are, are irrelevant so mm-hmm. um that's 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 key right there and you mentioned visualization and visualization can be like you know something that you know it's everybody has a, maybe a different definition of it but can you can you develop like how to be a better person that can visualize things that's a skill that can be developed
2: i think so for sure uh, i was so last night in person at our facility, I do mental skills clinics and I like to at the beginning run them for vi- visualization and a couple of new kids were in the class and I did it And I- afterwards. I like to ask them, OK, tell me about the bat you just visualized. And, you know, the first time doing it, it's kind of weird. They don't uh, maybe don't use all their senses to make it as real and uh, as vivid as possible, because that's how you get the most out of it. Um, so you're right. Like it can take a couple times, but the more you do it and, you know, a lot of times people. It's great to uh, recall past great performances you had, past big hits you had, um, and also visualize success in the future. Um, But what I feel like a lot of people don't do enough is practice facing adversity. And this can be, all right, what are you gonna do? Visualize you're on the mound, you just walk two batters, you're losing control, you're spiraling out of control, you need to focus, what are you gonna do then? So visualize yourself maybe stepping off the mound, turning around, taking that deep breath, Uh, maybe tying your shoelace, whatever you know will get you right. And obviously it's going to take reps in a game to do it, but you want to practice facing adversity, practice uh, making an error and and how you're going to react, what you're going to say to yourself, what your routine is. Uh, Practice, if you have a big presentation in class, if you are asking a girl out for the first time, I remember my first time asking girl out, I was so nervous. And but I didn't know about visualization back then. I wish I did. Because now you can literally go through it in your head hundreds of times. So you go do it, you'll know exactly what to say. Doesn't mean she might not say yes, you know, <laughs> but you can practice adversity how you're going to handle it. If She says no, whatever. Um, no, but it's just amazing because you, you feel like you've been there before when you go over it in your head. And the cool thing is study after study has shown through the brain, it's the same thing as doing something physical. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that's a game changer right there. You can do all the physical reps, then you do it mentally too. That's how you acquire skills a lot faster. I
0: like how you mentioned like visualizing it when things are, whenever you hit adversity, because I think a lot of times there's a, a misperception of like, oh, you visualize like this utopian situation of things going just perfectly. And the reality of it is like so many things are out of your control so visualizing like you mentioned when things are seem to be like a little bit stressful or out of your control can really help you because you feel like again you've been there before and for myself i know like whenever i started visualization i always visualize like oh my days are just gonna go like smooth and perfect and when it didn't i was like this doesn't work but i was like i was it was just a shift in how i visualized. and so you know that's i think that's a key thing that most people don't realize about visualization is like like you mentioned visualizing through adversity too
1: Can you hear Brandon?
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Hear yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but yeah. you're you're spot on, man. Just practice that adversity because when it when it does happen, just so you know how to handle it.
1: Well, going back okay. to to Brandon, like Stanford did a study where they had did basketball players. They had a a group, B group, and a C group. they group did they shot no free throws physically. They did no visualization. The B group shot a certain amount of free throws each day, physically, no visualization. And then group C, all they did was visualize. They didn't physically shoot it. Group A made like no improvement whatsoever. I think it was group B that physically shot, it was like 27% increase. And group B that just visualized, they didn't do physically any type of reps. It was like 25%, it was only 2% difference, just 2%. Pretty amazing.
2: It's crazy, a story that, might rival that. And I don't know that it's not, I might be off a little bit, but I think it was a guy who was in the Nazi, not the Holocaust camps or one of those camps back in the day. And they said, okay, how did you get through it? He said, I visualized golfing 18 holes or more than that every single day. And then when he got out of it, he went and golfed and he golfed his best round ever Hmm. and he hadn't picked up a club in forever, but he simply visualized doing it each and every day. And then he went out and shot his best round. So yeah, the, the power of visual, visualization is real.
1: The other thing I love too, you mentioned about flushing, flushing a mistake. Because the other day in practice, I'm glad you said this, of my kids watch this. I was telling them about flushing the toilet, about making mistakes, getting the poo-poo to go down, the crap to go down <laughs> out of it. They're laughing at me, but now Brandon Gyers says the private, like, hey, this is cool. But what I like what you did is not only flush it, but now we're gonna be proactive. We're gonna take action toward it, hit it to me. Or give me that next pass. I'm going to hit this shot. I like yeah. that.
2: Yeah. And so that's, that really comes down to being able to handle failure. And obviously, uh, as baseball players, there's so much failure in the sport. And simply I believe the players in the big leagues are just the best at failing. They know how to utilize it. They know how to handle it. Um, they know how to use it as fuel. Um, so yeah, being able to fail cause you know, you're going to, you know, especially maybe you don't a lot, but then as you keep going up the levels of competition and the talent gap gets smaller, you're going to fail. So uh, it's just really being able to utilize it and use it as fuel.
1: So Let's let's get in the nutrition side of it. Like, you know, they always talk about you can work out most people work out physically and they think that's the biggest thing. But they talk about like nutrition, what you eat and what you drink is more important than sometimes your exercise. So what do you tell athletes like what they should be eating or drinking or a nutritional plan that can set them up for having success when they're, you know, practicing or playing, uh, you know, in games?
2: Yeah. So first off, I just try to tell them to uh, try to master the fundamentals. I always like to say basics are best, uh, especially someone who maybe hadn't been eating necessarily healthy for a majority of their life. If you just try to throw a meal plan out at them and oh, eat this, eat that it, I, this is not sustainable, it's not going to work, you know, so I just think keep it simple at first and do your best to eat as much real food as possible. And, and as you know, little processed food and try not to drink your sugars. So those are like the two main things, if you can do that, eat more real food, less processed food, and try not to drink sugars like juice, soda, even Gatorade, stuff like that, you know, if you, it's good when you have a lot of competitions for the electrolytes. Um, but if you can avoid it, there's just so much high sugar. So I think that's the number one thing. And then kind of off that, it's just about behavioral change and creating new habits. Um, So taking it slow, maybe one day uh, or each day of the week, you just change your breakfast. Instead of cereal, you have have a good bowl of oatmeal. Um, Then the next week, maybe you add in a good lunch as well with that and just take it slowly and gradually um, until you build those uh, those habits and, and get that self-discipline and, and really make your environment great because the environment is huge you know what you have in your pantry what you have in your fridge uh, that that is a game-changer too so uh, really try to start off with those two things first
1: what would be a good launch when you say good launch like if you're telling somebody hey, here's some things to think about you could eat for lunch that would be good for your body
2: mm, there's so many good things um, Man, to keep it simple, I like to just say switch up protein, carbohydrate, fat, and add some vegetables. So for protein, I'll just say like, uh, grilled chicken breast, um, carbohydrate, I'll say sweet potato, really good. Um, for healthy fat, I like to avocado, sliced avocado, uh, with the chicken. And then for vegetable, maybe just some carrots on the side if you, if you have them. Um, so that's a simple lunch and yeah, for any athletes out there listening, just try to keep it simple and think protein, carb, fat, healthy fat, and what, what veggie you can add to it and just kind of do that for, for every meal and just kind of rotate those, uh, you know, macronutrients, protein, carbohydrate, and fat.
1: What do you suggest before, say, a practice, before a game? Like what should they be eating, drinking, say it's, you know, an hour or two hours before they're getting ready to perform? What do you suggest they should do there?
2: Yeah, so our bodies thrive on carbohydrates. I know there's, there's keto diet out there, uh, which works for some people. But the majority of people, especially athletes, um, if you're playing every day, like a long grueling baseball season to sustain a ketogenic diet, which for all those listening might not know, it's just basically a high high fat diet, low carb diet. So your body's burning fat for energy instead of carbs. Um, but I like to say for a pregame meal, get a good amount of carbohydrates in. Um, you know, if that's a bowl of oatmeal, if it's some rice, and then you add some good quality protein to it. Um, maybe the fat not go as high with that. Um, maybe just like a little thing of peanut butter, um, because you know, our bodies take a while to digest that fat and it could, um, you know, go into a competition feeling, um, kind of stuffed and make you feel sluggish. So I would just say focus on hydration, getting good water in with some electrolytes. Um, and good amount of carbohydrates and good good protein and, and fat sources.
1: You hear after games anymore, like you see the NBA teams and you know traveling from city to city. And I know COVID is different right now, but they would have um, you know cold pressed juices or they'd have they 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 formulate kind of a plan for the athlete. They know this is what we're going to feed them uh, after the game to get them ready for recovery. What are suggestions you could give to individuals? I know they can't maybe be as specialized as an MBA type program, but what could they do to be like, okay, here's some tips after game. You could do nutrition, hydration, to prepare you for the next day to be ready to go.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. And if you're not someone who likes a big meal before or after a game, find a good uh, smoothie or, or shake that you enjoy. Um, if it's uh, maybe a little, A Scoop of good quality whey protein or whatever protein powder depending on your age and and when I say this stuff It's generally obviously it's not for every single person. So I'm just saying generally what I would recommend um, Based on the person because everyone's body um, Handles certain food you know has different intolerances can digest certain foods So generally I would say, you know, maybe have a good shake with um, some some like spinach mixed into it or a greens powder uh, maybe a little thing of uh, peanut butter, um, some some frozen fruit or some regular fruit in there. Uh, you're really kind of getting every all the nutrients that you need um, for your body to fuel and f- fuel up. And after the game to help you recover. And after the game, all it it should all be be all about recovery. And that's where. Carbohydrates come in because you know, especially if it's a long game or a long, grueling workout, you're you're depleting your carbohydrates, and you got to replenish them. Replenish your what they call glycogen stores, and that's how you what you do with getting a good amount of carbohydrates in uh, post game. And post game, I would say, is very similar. Um, find what good what foods you like first, and your body digests and handles well, and then just get good quality fat, protein, carb afterwards leaning more towards the carbohydrates and protein to really help you, uh, recover the protein, help your body recover and, and build and repair your muscle. Um, so hopefully that answers your question.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks Brandon. Yeah. And uh, now we go, we dive into the last part of the show. It's uh the four questions with 40 athletes. So our first one is this, it's uh what is the best life lesson that that sports has taught you?
2: If I had to pick one, I would say failure is a part of success. I know we talked about failure earlier, um, but if you want to be successful, know you're going to fail. All of the greats have failed, and it's really how you handle it. Uh, so, if I could pick one thing, it's failure, being able to learn from it, and realizing you have to be willing to fail big and to to get you know a high and you know really get to wherever you want to go you got, it's like stepping into a box. You got to be willing to strike out if with in a big situation, if you want to hit the game when you hit in that situation, you know? So if you're not willing to strike out, that means you might not put yourself in that situation to even do it. Then you can't even get that big walk off hit and whatever. So failure is a part of success is probably number one.
1: What do you, I, I love that, but what do you do? Um, you, being an athlete, professional athlete, you know, social media and everything going on and um, you, you don't, play while well, you make mistakes and people start saying negative things about you oh brandon stinks he's like all all these negative right and kids see this and so what suggestion you give because you get that inner voice saying you, you you aren't any good you suck you should quit give up mm-hmm. what tips can you give individuals to stay strong and to know that hey this failure is an opportunity for you to grow i'm not going to listen to this i'm going to keep moving forward what tips can you give people to mm-hmm. keep pressing forward
2: yeah. First, I would say, try to avoid social media as much as you can. I know it's such a big thing nowadays, especially the younger age groups. But you know, when I played, I, I avoided it as much as I could. I had one time when I was a rookie with the Tampa Bay Rays, I made a huge error to, uh, we ended up losing the game because of it. And man, it's not even the biggest fan. It's a great fan base, not the biggest fan base. So this is in Tampa Bay. I got messages on Twitter. I don't need to go into detail. they're like, hope you get in a car accident, like it was some of the craziest things I've ever heard. I'm wow. like, you gotta be kidding me. So since then, I, I just avoided it. I, you know, so number one thing I would say, avoid social media. Um, and with failure, just know it's going to happen. It's going to happen to everybody. So that maybe should help you mentally know when it's going to happen. And then you know, use it as fuel. Learn from it, and then um, you know, just utilize it because you're gonna you're gonna grow from it. Uh, you, you need failure in order to find out what you need to change in order to grow. So. Um, hopefully looking at it that way could help them.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, number two here, we got, uh, if you could spend time with anyone, um, uh, you admire in sports, either alive or passed away, um, who would it be and why would you pick him?
2: Yeah. So I would probably go, there's so many people I would probably go right now with Connor McGregor and mainly because. You know, I'm really into the mindset, stuff like that. His mindset, obviously, he got knocked out last weekend. Um, but what he's done and how he handles failure, how he handles losing. You know, he talks a big game, talks trash, even though he didn't talk as much trash as he usually does uh, last week. But even before when he did, when he loses, he handles it in a good way. He doesn't shy away. You know, he you know so congratulates the other person. Um, so that's a guy, just, just his whole mindset. I know he's huge into visualization, and I'm sure, man, I could. I'm sure everyone could could learn something from him because um, simply, yeah, he's physically talented, but his mind is what's gotten him um, everything that he has
1: in his life. So I go with him. You wouldn't have known he got knocked out the next like when he was interviewed after the next like talking about who he wants next and who he's going after. It was like, you know, usually I get defeated like that. I'm open. I'm down. I'm like, oh, maybe this isn't for me. I, mean, I thought he won. The next day when I saw it and I was like, oh, he got knocked out. I was like, it is amazing how he kind of like responds in a way that he just continues to be a champion, even though he, the results physically didn't prove that he was that night.
2: Yeah, he just got knocked out. So he's probably not even thinking straight, but he still had was able to act with class and, you know, I hope a lot of young athletes saw that and like, you know, you're going to fail. It's just how you handle it. And because of how he handles it, I guarantee he'll, he'll get back on the bike quicker and he'll be back better than ever because of his mindset.
1: Question number three is this, what's the best advice you've ever received from a coach you've played for, you've been around worked for, what is the best advice they've given you?
2: Man, there's so much good advice. I would say the number one thing uh, would have to be, he was my coach when I was younger, but uh, only for a couple of years, it was my dad. It was what he told me when I was really young. He said, whenever he would see me, um, you know, when I was young, being lazy uh, and not doing anything productive, he would tell me, cause there were set guy. he knew I wanted to be great and be good you say, Oh, this guy's out there work. I guarantee you he's hitting off a tee right now in his basement or he's out there working out. So he would always tell me there's someone out there working when you're sitting here playing video games or you're sitting here watching TV. Um, and of course I'm, it was annoying and I wanted to be a kid. And literally since, you know, it took a couple of times for him to sit then after that, I was like, okay. Uh, I was like, okay this is, if I want to be really good, I got to always think no matter what I'm doing, there's someone out there doing something. Um, so to this day, even though I'm not playing anymore, it's like, okay, someone out there who's in the same line of work, although I'm not competing with them, it's like, okay, I want to be, I want to make sure I'm as good as I can be so I can help the athletes as much as possible. So, um, you know, I'm sitting around looking at social media or something, which I try to avoid as much as possible. Every goal, every day, my number one goal is less screen time, more presence. Um, I think that's the best gift you can give to anyone, especially family. Um, so I really try to do that as much as I can. And so, long story short, it's my dad giving me that advice when I was little, stuck with me forever.
1: I love that being present. And by the way, is your dad like to the right of you? Because when you said that, I thought you turned like no, one of my,
2: kid, my, one of my kids, my my kids walked by and this kid, somehow, is,
1: dad's here, man. I to get to work. Hey, yeah. the, the last question is this: if you if there's one character trait life skill that you had to have and say uh, an athlete that you were coaching and you'd want one for them and your team to be successful, what would it be?
2: Grit. I think someone who has grit, someone who, you know, has passion and for going after what they want, but they know, you know, when obstacles come up, they're able to persevere, persevere and and push through it um, and do things that they might not want to do in the moment, but they do it anyways cause they know it's going to get them closer to what they're after. Um, so I'd say number one thing is someone just having that grit about them.
0: Well, uh, Brandon, thank you, man, for coming on the show today. Uh, how can people, you know, learn more about you, you know, where can they find you, um, on, on the internet and online social media? I know you said, you mentioned, you know, you try to stay away from screen time, but again, you know, that's kind of the, especially with COVID. Um, but how can people learn more about what you do? Exactly. Well, yeah, where, like yeah, website or uh, social media, or where, where can they find you?
2: Yeah, so website is fullyequippedathlete.com. Um, Instagram, or anywhere else. Fully equipped at fully equipped athlete. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I mean, we, I feel like we have very similar vision. You're trying to help athletes, and what you guys are doing is inspiring. So um, I think we have the same same mission. Um, so. What I'm doing is what you're doing, and, and it's just helping at as many athletes as we can be be as good as they can uh, mentally and physically. So, yeah, thank you.
0: Brandon. man, we look forward to uh, continuing conversations with you in the future, man, and uh, continue to grow fully equipped athletes, man. Thank you for all you do because uh, it takes a group of us in the same space to make a difference for sure.
1: Yeah. Thanks for um, your time. Definitely. Thanks for your information. Thank you.
0: And if you're looking to transform your athletes, teams, or organizations by teaching essential life skills, go to our 40athletes website at 40athletes.com. There you can enroll in our course or you can uh, book a discovery call and we can show you how for less than a dollar a day per athlete, you can transform the lives of not only your kids or your athletes, but your parents and your coaches as well. Uh, thanks for tuning in for this week's edition of 40 Athletes Live podcast. We'll see you again next week.
2: Dad.